Welcome to the Infernal Schoolhouse podcast, Explosions and Fire. This week, we're going to be talking about non-gamers getting into gaming. What does it feel like to look from the outside in? And what does it feel like to invite people into the hobby? Absolutely, Brian. And also, how do we stop from gatekeeping and keeping people out of the hobby who might be really interested but don't know enough about it? Yeah, gatekeeping we hear a lot about. And I think it's terrible. And so I think as we listen to our special guest star, we can talk about that from your yours and my perspective. For sure. About what that's like and maybe caution ourselves and potentially caution others about what that actually looks like. Yeah. And so I would ask you before we get to our special guest star, can you think of anything, not even in a big sense, but anything in your mind that kind of sticks around gatekeeping, what that means to you? And then if you've ever really seen that in play. So, first thing that pops in my mind is our game last night, mm. where we are inviting your lovely child to learn about D&D. And in my mind, I have a very specific sense of what my ideal game looks like mm-hmm. and feels like. And frustratingly, it's kind of serious. Oh, yeah. It's immersive. We're in another... No, no, no. We're in the Forgotten Realm. It's very serious. <laughs> and these are the species and these are the political intrigues. And right. so for me, I get frustrated when people bring in the silly kookiness of like one of the proposed characters for last night was like something mixed something face. And I remember uh-huh. I gave the player the feedback. That's like kind of SpongeBob. And I said it in a kind of a don't do it way. Right. But in a sense, potentially, is that gatekeeping? Because they thought it was a really cool character. And in my mind, it didn't fit the vibe that I was hoping for. Yeah, I get it. And I think that's a good question to ask. I think there is a very fine line between gatekeeping and simple expectation setting at a table. So you're not necessarily saying don't come play, but you are saying maybe don't bring Bodie McBoatface to the table. Yes, that might have been the one. I didn't like it. (laughs) So... I think from here, what percentage of the community would you estimate is more in the non-gamer set from more stereotypical perspective? You know, in my experience, there's the core is the like hardcore RPG players. For sure. Like we just, we do it, we live it. It's our thing. And then there's this kind of swirling group of casual would play or do play every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And I think... From my perspective, that's actually hard because I'm like, how do you not want to do this every week? Right. How is it just casual for you? (laughs) And so I don't know, percentage-wise, I'd be interested to hear what you think about that. But what I would like, and one of my goals for this, is to increase the percentage Mm. of casual players. And I was thinking about it today. I play Monopoly. Right. It's not my life. And it's weird if someone challenges me. Well, how, how much Monopoly do you play? How often do you play Monopoly? I'd be like, dude, you need to chill. (laughs) <laughs> it's a, just a game. And I don't know. I play it when I'm invited to play it. And when I, you know what I mean? Right. And so I, I feel that's an element of it as well, where I'm so excited about it that I risk maybe turning people off because it's like, oh, is this, a, is this your religion, Brian? <laughs> no. Right. I deny that that's what it is. And if I could interject, I would say that the backstory of the wheelbarrow is absolute crap and Monopoly. So I can understand why somebody wouldn't get into that. I have no idea what you're talking about right now. What's the backstory <laughs> of the wheelbarrow? I don't know. I'm just riffing right now, making some jokes about the fact how <laughs> okay, I, I know we like usually a... use Monopoly as our backstop. But <laughs> oh, I see. There's not a whole lot of allegories there besides a critique of late stage capitalism, you know. 
Excellent point. <laughs> too soon, maybe. We're really suffering. Is it too right? soon? Uh, really suffering for, from that late stage capitalism right now. I would say, you know, thinking about the question, though, that maybe one in eight players is a non-gamer. Okay. I've, I vibe with that. Yeah. And I think that the big issue is that there's a bit of a detente or this sort of Cold War in between gamers and non-gamers in that gamers, especially having a background in it and having gone through whether it's really being into the the lore or really enjoying it versus the non-gamers who are like, I'm not about that at all. There's kind of this closed loop where you don't want people inside that might kind of interrupt your safe space. And I think that in order to kind of keep things flowing and fresh, you need to bring in new people so that way you have new perspectives, more fun, more ideas. That's actually really cool the way you say it and think about it because I truly believe that as well. It's the diversity of voices and the disparity of opinions that really makes something special. And if we're all the sort of like uniform, we all believe the same things, we all have the same values, right? then it gets a little monolithic and loses some of the spark. For sure. So with all of that preamble out there, Brian, I think that we have a special guest star today. Special guest star. And that is Melissa, who has played with us before. We're really excited to have her. And I was hoping if you could introduce yourself, Melissa. Of course. So excited to be here. I'm Melissa. I am a former girlfriend of Brian's, actually, which is how Mm. I got into D&D. Awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What else should I say? Well, maybe I can just run down a list of some questions so we can get to know you and kind of get some of your opinion about the gaming environment. We'd love that. Awesome. So since you've told us a little bit about yourself, maybe give us an idea of what your opinion was of role-playing games before you actually really sat down and played one. Yeah, I'm sad to admit that I think I fell into a certain percent of the population that somewhere along the line learned that role-playing games was something that was exclusively nerdy. It was Mm, for mm -hmm. nerds and like something that you didn't want to be caught doing. And I never had the opportunity to have that thought challenged until I met Brian. And he challenged me on that, asked me like, what, what's nerdy about her? Like, why, why are you continuing to say this thing that is harmful? And it gave me this really special gift of reflection on like, what is nerdy about it? I have no idea. I've never actually played. I've just continued mm. to perpetuate this idea of what it is. And so that's that was kind of the f- maybe framework I was coming from. I would say the framework that I'm in more right now is it's this incredible opportunity to connect with people, to be in community, and to be creative and be silly and have a good time with friends. And if I may, dear listeners, I told a story a week or two ago about having this sort of quasi-nervous breakdown during COVID where I started laughing, started cackling, and then started sobbing. And my girlfriend was standing in the kitchen making dinner. That was Melissa. (laughs) What was that like, Melissa? It was a crazy moment. (laughs) But to have Brian... I I think your words were, I'm scared right now. (laughs) But it launched such a beautiful thing to have Brian get back into D&D and then invite me into a world that I don't know I ever would have been invited to otherwise. It's really special. That's great. So... Having said that, what, you know, tabletop role-playing games have you played? D&D and Monster of the Week. Oh, all right. So for our listeners who have been listening for several episodes now, what is Monster of the Week? 
Monster of the Week, if I could explain it, like explain it to somebody who hasn't played before maybe, it takes out a lot of the logistics of D&D and really focuses mm-hmm. in more on role-playing. Yeah. Typically, my understanding, but correct me if I'm wrong, it's usually played in like a one-shot kind of setting. And so there's less of that long-term commitment and also fewer mechanics to have to understand. So the learning curve for um, sure. is not quite as steep, way more focused on role-playing, which is a fun space for me to be in. Yeah, and that's where we first met was in a game of Monster of the Week that I ran. And you were probably my favorite player in that game. It was very entertaining. And I don't want to go into too many details, but, you know, small child, paranormal, weird stuff. It was a very fun time. Yeah. So, Aaron, I know after that game, you had remarked to me, Melissa is an incredibly gifted role player. Like, I've never really seen anything like that. She just embodies the characters and become this person that she just made up 10 minutes ago. And so that is why we decided to invite her. Because again, from the outside looking in, maybe there was some judgment, maybe there was some different things going on, but ends up being an incredibly gifted role player. Mm-hmm. That's a shout out to high school drama teacher, Mabel Meir. So, Miss Meir, on the chance that you're listening, hi, thank you. <laughs> That's great. So, let me ask then, what do you like the most about your time with role-playing games? And despite what we have said now in concordance with each other, what do you feel is your greatest strength that you bring to the table? Great questions. I think as an adult, it's hard to find activities to do with your friends that don't require you to spend money. That aren't centered around alcohol or eating. And not to say that you can't bring alcohol or food to the game. Oh, for sure. Of course. But there, I think we've lost this element of just like really good natured playfulness mm-hmm. as adults. And games like this give me the opportunity to bring that back into my life. And I think that's my favorite part of playing. Like that's what I really look forward to when I do play. In terms of my biggest strength in the games. It probably is uh, role playing and specifically like not being afraid to go against whatever the group is doing. And so really trying to get into the mind space of who is my character apart from who I am as a person? Mm -hmm. Who is my character? What are their motivations? What would they really do in this moment? And how do I act that out? And and that's really fun for me to think through and just, you know, I play myself all day, every day. (laughs) gets a little boring. And so to, to be able to hang that up and play somebody else is really, really fun for me. If I may, during my Last Mine of Fandelver campaign, Melissa's maybe four, five weeks into playing D&D, and her fellow players make a pact with a green dragon mm-hmm. to destroy the temple that mm-hmm. she's committed to restoring. And the, the session ends. And, you know, we're wrapping up. The players are, you know, hanging up because we're on Zoom. It's mid-COVID. And Melissa pulls out a piece of paper, and she starts making notes, like, really intense notes and I'm like what you doing she's like you'll find out next week <laughs> so next week we start I, I sort of recap you know okay so the players have made this deal with the green dragon and she pulls out a full sheet of handwritten paper and begins in character as her wizard to dress down each player specifically for how they have betrayed her <laughs> by not honoring her commitment to restoring this temple and it was intense and there was a lot a ton of emotion in game mm-hmm. role playing emotion but also there was some emotion from the players themselves mm. and we did have this young lady i remember her name was olga and she she asked me to hang out after the game 
And so everyone else had hung up and it's just Olga and I. And she said, I've never really role played with anyone like Melissa before. <laughs> he tells that story a lot. I'm not convinced that her comment was positive, but I'll take it. <laughs> Nor am I. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was really cool to be in a space where the DM gave me permission to explore my character. I think especially mm-hmm. coming in as a new player, you feel this pressure of what is this supposed to be? What is the end goal of the game? Like the DM must want me to do something specific. There must be somewhere specific. I have to go. Right. I need to just do what the party wants me to do. And to be given that freedom of like, no, you're a full character. And these interpersonal relationships, those also deserve to be explored. And what does this look like if you're really embodying that character? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a pretty cool thought experiment to go through. Yeah. And I could say from our time together as well, playing, especially in D&D, you very much embody that, especially with your halfling rogue that tried to run away with a dragon egg and kind of sideways the party. That was really entertaining. They beat her up, tied her up, and interrogated her. <laughs> and I remember Melissa, the player, has the biggest smile on her face during this interaction. That was a highlight for me, for sure. I think before that, I'd only played Althea. She's my homegirl. She's a high wizard elf. Love her. She's very complicated. And, and then also she's, you know, she's a little more prim and proper. And so Halfling mm-hmm. Rogue, just getting to get in there and be a little mischievous and try on different characters and figure out what feels fun. Like, yeah, that was a great campaign. Nice. What do you think is your greatest challenge in playing role-playing games? My biggest challenge playing D&D is that I decided to play a spellcaster And that, so for people who are listening who are interested in getting into D&D, I'm not saying don't play a spellcaster, but I'm saying it is complicated. It's more complicated. There's a lot more logistics. There's a lot more to remember. And so there are some days where I just spend the game rereading the rules of my spells, Mm -hmm. like just reading through the spell list to make sure that I understand how they work, that I know what I'm going to do for my next move. And so that's maybe my biggest challenge. And I think that there's a learning curve to that. So If I continue to play as I continue to invest, that part will get easier. I'm still definitely at the stage where it's a lot of work for me. We actually had a great moment last night. Aaron was my DM and I neglected to read my spell before I cast it. (laughs) And he knew. I could see in his eyes. He knew. I cast it. And he goes, what's the area of effect on that spell, Brian? And I looked down and I said, oh, it's a cube. I just killed my fellow player. Yeah, that's real. Like you can constantly be killing your fellow players. It's a lot of pressure. And so it can take you out of that role playing. It's it's very heady kind of exercise. And I'd say that's the biggest challenge I face. And I would add on to that as well, that you have not heard our episode that's coming out on Friday, which will have already been out by now. But we say the very same thing about spellcasters and new players. And I promise we didn't put you up to saying that. And I've been playing for years, and I'm terrified to play a spellcaster. <laughs> and I think – I will say this, though, Aaron. If people are like you, you have this thing. You said it a, a week or two ago. I just commit it to memory. You just ingest it. You read mm-hmm. it, and it just becomes a part of you. I read it, and it's in one ear and out the other. You know what I mean? So I didn't remember that that, that thunder wave is a cube. Right. I thought it went down the hallway just because I wanted it to. So I think there's a certain type of person that maybe is more able to. And Melissa, I would submit you're a little bit more of that type of person where you can process a lot of information in a short amount of time. So I think that's why you were such a successful wizard. I would have thought, but every time I read those spells is like the first time again. <laughs> and so I think 
what mattered in that moment and like that could have been a moment where I said this just isn't for me it's way too much like I can't play this again it's very stressful but I was in a group where there were a few new players and I think maybe more importantly a DM who understood that I was new and didn't expect that I knew every single rule that needed to be followed so I was Mm -hmm. given a lot of grace early on like I don't know that we really read into the mechanics of each of the spells. You just kind of cast them. It was like, you know, building my confidence. I was like the little three-year-old on the playground. They just wanted me to get out there and have a good time. And the more that I play, like I'm being held to a little bit of a higher standard now. I'd say when I play with you, Aaron, like you're a little bit more by the book about what the rules are, but I can handle that now. But I wouldn't have made it to now if I didn't have the leniency earlier on. Well, that leniency that I granted was also gifted to me because we were using the help action on every turn because we didn't know that that was not a thing. And it was like maybe game six where one of my players was like, so anyway, (laughs) the help action is actually an action and you can't do that and hit with your sword. And I was like, okay, good to know. Yeah. So I'd like to give you a little bit of a curveball. I have one question, but I want to turn it into a two-part question. Love it. So... I'm going to start off by asking, we have folks that listen to this who aren't necessarily ever going to play and they just want a better understanding of role-playing games. What would you want to tell them to help, I guess, move their understanding along of what we do, what this culture is like, and what they can expect from the people around them who do actually embrace it? Before I say what I want them to know, if they have people in their circle who do play this, I would encourage them to talk to that person. I think there's something really special about being able to separate yourself from your own biases and just try to understand what is it that this person loves about that thing and can I love that about that as well. Yeah. But if I'm giving my own kind of opinion, I think this is about – it's about friendship. It's about community. It's about – working towards a shared goal and having a really good time while you're doing it. And so whatever you've heard about D&D, maybe you already have some preconceived notions, maybe you know absolutely nothing. I think that's at its core what it's about. Hmm. That's great. So moving forward from that, if you have people who are thinking about dipping their toe in the waters and trying it out, what advice would you give them? Try it. Absolutely try it. Do not play a spellcaster. (laughs) Do not play a spellcaster. Maybe some like practical advice. Reach out to the person who's going to be your DM and set up some time with them before the campaign. Because there's nothing more stressful than feeling like you're holding up the game because you don't understand some really basic principles about what it's like. And you're not going to learn everything on that first conversation. There's a lot to learn. And people have been playing this for decades and developing their knowledge of the game for a long time. So Mm -hmm. be be gracious with yourself about how far you're going to get in a short period of time, but invest some time up front with that DM to understand what the expectations are and what the basic principles of the game are so that you feel somewhat prepared walking into the situation. Great. Now, what about current players? What advice would you give them? I love that question. Give your friends grace. Same thing. <laughs> Don't expect somebody to come to the table and understand what you have learned over a five-year period. It's just not going to happen. And you are not only going to discourage them from ever playing again, you're going to give them a bad taste in their mouth for the Mm. game and for what the culture is. And I think not everybody's going to fall in love with it. That's okay. I don't, I actually don't play every week. I'm more one of those casual players. Right. And that, that's great. Like the world needs more casual players. The world needs more people who are interested and open-minded. And you create that by giving people grace and being open-minded in return. Great. 
That's awesome. So not thinking about rules, let's just talk about just who you think you are. If you were a D&D class, what would you be? I have an opinion. <laughs> and maybe it's just because I witnessed Melissa be a wizard. But, and I mentioned it a little bit, I think Aaron, you and Melissa both have this ability to process and synthesize a lot of information in a short amount of time and then remember it. And so I think Melissa, I think of Melissa as a wizard mm. in that she is a strategist. She doesn't want to be up front. She doesn't need to be up front. Right. And there's, there's this idea of the true power is actually wielded from the background. Mm. It's about the battlefield tactics. And so I see Melissa in life, metaphorically, and in a game, actually, as the person who's deciding exactly where to cast Fireball and exactly how to warn people to not be standing near it when it happens. <laughs> and I think that's a really cool moment of true power right. versus the appearance of power as the barbarian or the fighter kicks down the door and starts, you know, slicing and dicing. And so that's kind of how I think about it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, do you have a different idea about that? No, that's pretty perfect. <laughs> I don't like to be center of attention. I'm not going to be the person being really vocal in a meeting. I'm the person mm -hmm. orchestrating from the background. And so that that feels very on brand. And it just occurs to me because I don't want this to end without being able to tell this story. In that first campaign, maybe third, fourth session, Melissa had clearly explained to us that orcs were a particularly hated enemy. So of course I put a bunch of orcs. <laughs> and I had gone to great lengths to explain to the party that, they, that the orc that they had captured was an adolescent. And, you know, it was like a young, I was trying to make it, okay, it's an orc, but it's also maybe we should feel sympathy. And as the party is having a conversation about what to do, Althea, the wizard, slit the orc's neck. <laughs> and we were all shocked. I was shocked. And you had mentioned a couple of times, are you doing what the DM wants? I had, it ne never even occurred to me that that might happen. And it was particularly shocking, but also in the way that you said, you do what the character would do, not what the player mm -hmm. would do. Yeah. Clearly, I was not a lawful good. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> you were still kind of mad about the whole, like, they're not helping me restore my temple thing. I mean, is there such a thing as a lawful good wizard anyway? They all seem cranky, get off my grass sort of guys. You know? If that's the case, then I would say even more, yes, that is me. <laughs> <laughs> so before we come to a close, and thank you for chatting with us, do you have any questions for us you'd like to ask? I guess, what is the biggest challenge that you face in bringing new people into the hobby? So I'll start that one off. And I think a big part of it is the amount of content that exists. So a lot of what companies like, for example, Wizards of the Coast do is they try and sell you a car with all of the upgrades when realistically all you need is just the base model. And legitimately you don't even need the player's handbook you could buy one of those D, D essentials books and have 30 pages to read to and understand how to play the game so i think people understanding that they may think they can't do it whether it's role-playing understanding rule sets doing all the stuff but 
I honestly think if you can show up every day to a job that's probably not super fantastic and muddle your way through a meeting where you have to talk about what's going in the parking lot and how you're going to synergize, you can sit at a table and be a wizard. For me, I would say, kind of back to what I said earlier, it's releasing my expectations. Mm -hmm. And it's paradoxically the thing that's hardest for me, but also the thing that's most beautiful about it, which is let it be what it needs to be, what it's going to be. And so I think there's, we've talked before about railroading as a DM, but I think there is this pull that I feel sometimes to railroad as a player. Be more serious, be, be different, pay more attention, stop goofing around, things like that. But isn't the point just to have fun? Yeah. And so for me, it's like allowing the fun to happen, allowing the game to progress in the way that it's progressing and right. not fighting it and finding the joy in the joy of others because it's just a game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we've come to a good stopping point and we are super appreciative of you coming on here and thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening and we can't wait to talk to you again. Thanks everybody.